It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And without further ado, good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hello, I had buddy. to wear my coat today. Woo! Oh, it's gotten cold. It has. In a hurry. Yeah. So I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday, and uh, he said uh, we should call this uh, show Dr. Mystery. <laughs> Because he, he never knows what we're going to say. Uh, Doctor History with the mystery, yeah, with the mystery. Uh, every week. There yeah, you go. Yeah. And by the way, compliments on your compilation of all these different stories. I mean, you, you put a lot of time and effort in this. I do. I, yeah. I've got uh, on my podcast about 435 stories. Really? Have you figured out from the time that we started this on my program years and years and yes. years ago when we were both kids, uh, the, how many stories we've done? Okay. I figure we've done this for about 15 years. At least. And so that's a, so I've been on the radio with you about 750 times. Wow. So now some of the stories that we told in the beginning were not on my podcast. So I have retold some of those stories. Uh-huh. And in fact, today I'm going to talk about a guy named Billy Miner. And I did a story on him about actually about eight years ago. But this is a different book and a little different take on the same guy. Who is Billy Miner? He's also called the Gray Fox. Oh, not not the swamp fox. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, the gray fox. The gray fox. Yeah, there's different swa- There's different. There's different foxes. There's different foxes. Okay. This one's gray. Okay. <laughs> so start out. Uh, Bill Miner was a career criminal almost from the beginning. He was born in 1847, and when he was in his teenage years, he started. That's when he started getting into trouble. He joined the Union Army in 1864, and he didn't care much for authority, and he deserted four months later. So I guess he didn't figure that was uh, worth his time. But a life of crime looked better to Bill Miner than the military. And holdups of unsuspecting pedestrians in dark alleys and stealing horses were his kind of his early specialties. He, you know, kind of a low-key thief. But he earned his first prison sentence of three years in San Quentin in 1866 for stealing, get this, Eight dollars from a ranch hand. You gotta be kidding. Spent three years in San Quentin for stealing eight bucks. Three years for eight bucks? Yeah. Uh, They didn't mess around. No. So once out of prison, he immediately resumed his activities, adding to his repertoire. The business of stagecoach robbery. Oh, this sounds so good. he's moving up in the world. <laughs> so over the years, Miner became an increasingly famous bandit, noted for his persuasive, smooth talk, kind of like you, and gentlemanly. I don't rob stages. And courteous demeanor. Can you imagine a guy standing on crutches with a shotgun trying to rob a stage? <laughs> well, what did he look like? Well, gee, I think he was on crutches. Well, who do you think they're okay. going to come get? They'd be at your doorstep. But so in anyway, because he was such a nice guy, in later years he became known as the Gray Fox. So if Miner was good at thievery, he was also good at something else. Getting caught. 
Didn't he try to get away? Oh, yeah, but we'll, you'll see. Oh. So whenever he did a crime, a pr- uh, apprehension and prison were pretty much a certain thing. Bill spent a lot of time on the inside of San Quentin State Prison looking out. Really? How many yeah. times was he there? Oh, I think we might get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here we move up to 1901. Uh, Miner was actually sprung from San Quentin after serving nearly 20 years for stagecoach robbery. He was 54 years old and has spent almost 34 of those years behind bars. You've got to be kidding. 34 years. Uh, I mean, and he's 54, so, you know, wow. only 20 years outside compared to 34 years inside. He was dumb. Yeah, he was. But he was smooth talker. I see. So he went... Don't say like me. (laughs) (laughs) So he went to Washington State, and Miner settled into honest work uh, at an oyster bed operation uh, near Bellingham, Washington. Uh Uh-huh. And so he was just this gray-haired, personable guy that people kind of liked. After a couple of years, the life of a law-abiding citizen was beginning to kind of give him an inch, an itch. The opportunity came when he received a letter from an old San Quentin con buddy named Z.G. Harshman. Mm-hmm. Okay, now keep that name in mind, Harshman. Okay, got it. So Harshman was working down in Oregon, so he was out of prison too. And he was about 35 miles north of Portland, and he'd been thinking about robbing a train and wondered if his old friend Bill wanted in on this deal. What a cordial letter. Yeah, you know, hey, buddy, you, I'm going to rob, rob a train. train. You want to come and help me? <laughs> Well, Miner took a trip to uh, talk the plan over with Harshman, and it sounded like a good idea. Uh, remember, he's 54 years old. Yeah. You know, besides his, this honest citizen stuff just was, wasn't working out, and Miner was looking to get back into his old trade, you know, thievery, robbery. So the trouble was uh, things had changed quite a bit. There were new technologies, and the West was far tamer than the place he had left back in the 1800s. Remember, this is 1901. Yeah. So uh, stagecoaches had obviously been replaced by trains. Miner was just going to have to adapt to the times and learn the art of train robbery. Oh, this has got to be good. (laughs) And there were no manuals, you know, Zed. It was kind of an on-the-job. It was not on the Internet. No, it was on-the-job training. Yeah. Or or whatever. So stagecoaches had always been very vulnerable to holdups. They moved slow in the bad roads and trails, usually far from civilization, where lawmen were few and far between, because travel was by horse, stage, and wagon. By the time a posse reached the site of the crime, the perpetrators were usually long gone. Mm -hmm. Now, trains were not invulnerable. Train robbery was not nearly as common as stage robberies uh, used to be. Every now and then, crooks uh, took a crack at it. You remember the old Butch Cassidy deal? Yeah, why did did he stand on the side of the road with a shotgun and say, stop, train? Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to see a similarity between Butch Cassidy and this story. Uh, And I won't tell you what it is. So it was possible for men on foot to successfully rob a train, although getting away might be a different story. Uh So Bill uh, Miner, although uh, quite a bit grayer and older now, was sure he could meet this new professional challenge, but they needed another man to help pull off the job. So Miner recruited 17-year-old Charles Hone, and now there's three of them, okay? Yeah. So Miner, Hone, and Harshman are the new gang. Absolutely. 17-year-old, and then Miner clear up to 54. So the three men refined their plans. Their target would be the express car of an Oregon railway and navigation company train that traveled the tracks along the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. 
You've driven that. The, oh, yeah. The tracks times. that are on yep. both, I think yep. both sides of the yep. Columbia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the date they picked for the robbery was September 19th. The location was about 15 miles east of Portland. Okay. The time of the robbery would be just about dark, just before it got really dark at night. So the three men arrived at the appointed place, staking out a railroad stop signal where the train would stop when the red light flashed on. Okay. Miner and Harshman scrambled up the bank to shoot down on the train while Hone, the younger guy, hunkered down uh, by the signal. Now they waited for their prize to come. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report... We're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Uh, eventually, in the distance, they could hear the train approaching. I hear the train they, coming. Yeah, don't sing, Zeb. Okay. They braced themselves for the assault. <laughs> Thanks a lot. But something wasn't right. Okay, They were ready for this, but something was wrong. With no previous railroad experience among them, none of the outlaws noticed that the stop signal was on a different track than the one on which the train was traveling. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, they didn't notice? No. So the engineer didn't stop because the stop signal was not for him, and he drove his train right on by. That kind of messed up their plan. <laughs> well, if the three intended to become successful train robbers, they definitely needed a little more practice. I see the train going. <laughs> yeah, right on by. So this time, a bit more thought and planning would go into including a better escape strategy. Uh-huh. Once again, they would target the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company. A few days earlier, Hone, the young guy, had uh, procured a small rowboat, which he rowed down the Columbia River to the town of Corbett, some 15 miles east of Portland, and stashed it along the banks. Okay, this sounds like a good plan. Oh, yeah, real good. This time, their plan was a little more elaborate. Miner and Harshman would sneak on board the train when he stopped at the station. Hone would walk about three miles up the tracks near where he had hidden the getaway boat on the river and wait for the train to arrive. So Miner and Harshman would force the engineer to stop the train. The gang would blow open the express car door, which is where the cash, gold, and other treasure would be, and then escape by rowboat uh, back down the river, and no one would ever be the wiser. Shades of Butch Cassidy. Yes. About 9 p.m., the train rolled into the station. Miner and Harshman carried pistols and a couple of sticks of dynamite. As the train came to a stop, the two bandits quietly got on board the baggage car just behind the engine tender. Well, they surprised uh, the engineer, Ollie Barrett, uh, pulling their pistols and ordering the train to stop at mile post 21, where Hone, the young man, was waiting. Uh huh. Got the picture? I do. So the two train men were ordered to escort the bandits after they stopped the car, the train, to the express car. At first, they tried to do it the easy way, demanding that the engineer Barrett tell the express car messenger inside to open up. Express car guys inside, right? Yeah, I'm certain to have the... Uh... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Disappointed with the result of that approach... <laughs> 
the three outlaws, and it says confabbed for a few minutes, deciding what to do. Uh-huh. The answer soon became obvious. The Dynamite. Men, the men inside wouldn't open the door <laughs> to the express car, and Miner, Harshman, and Hone wanted what was inside. That's why they'd brought the dynamite. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, attaching a couple of dynamite sticks to long poles that they then leaned against the express car door, oh they lit God. the fuses and took cover. Uh-huh. The explosion did its job, opening a hole in the door more than large enough to get inside. The bandits moved toward the gaping hole, peering into the express car in anticipation of the riches it held. Now what? Express messenger corner was inside. Yes. Had a shotgun Uh on board, and he used it as Harshman, Miner, and Home approached. Harshman was first in line and took pellets to the head and chest, wounding him severely. They dropped him on the spot. That wasn't part of the plan. No, I don't don't remember you saying that. The two bandits left standing had to think fast. Oh, they didn't get hit. No, no. But out in the dark, Charles Hone, again, the younger guy, had thought the fastest. And at the sound of the shotgun, he ran for the rowboat, hidden nearby, and he was gone. Michael rode the boat ashore. He did. He (laughs) rode it out in the middle of the Columbia. (laughs) Now the gray fox was on his own, uh, left with a wounded partner and outnumbered by the train crew. He ran to, following Hone into the darkness, to the boat. Harshman lay by the tracks, bleeding and groaning. This is the guy that went in first. Yeah, he's the one that got shot. He's done. So the crew reported the robbery. Law enforcement officers came. They found uh, Harshman. Uh, he was not expected to live, but meanwhile, Miner and Hone had regrouped at the boat and launched it into the Columbia River, making their way to the Washington side. Now, you've seen that river, Zeb. Oh, I yeah. would not want to have a rowboat yeah. out in the middle of that. I don't like that river. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Hone asked about Harshman, Miner lied and said that he was dead. Uh, well, they put ashore near Kalama, Washington, and they split up, going their separate ways. Well, it was not uh, one of Miner's uh, uh, ventures to which, uh, anyway, for, he, which, for which he would never get caught. In the hospital, Harshman surprised everyone by recovering. This guy that was bleeding. After and being shot in the yeah, head? Yeah, sh- shoulder and oh neck and head. My. Anyway, uh, Harshman became a cooperative and fingered Miner and Hone. Uh-oh. Told him about these guys. Well... Hone was picked up. He was arrested. Uh, he was sentenced to 10 years at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem. Harshman got 12 years after he recovered. But the Gray Fox was still on the run. He eventually ended up in British Columbia. Uh, his uh, penchant for getting caught haunted him again. And Canadian authorities captured him after an unsuccessful train robbery in 1906. He wasn't very good at train robbery, would you think? Uh, why did he do it again? Well, and then he was, this time he was sentenced to life in prison. Oh, I see. But he escaped in 1907. What prison did he escape from? The one in, uh, what, Salem? Oh, no, my The one in uh, British Columbia. Oh. Um, so it was kind of under suspicious circumstances. Um, it's believed that the British Columbia government allowed him to break out in return for retrieving and giving back $300,000 in securities that he had uh, uh, somehow robbed in a, in a fight, uh, a robbery, something. Anyway. So they allowed him to get out. Yeah, kind of. They let him escape. And so he left Canada for good. Uh, 
So the Gray Fox ended his career in Georgia, where he robbed a train again oh my in 1911 at age 64. You know, you'd think at that age you'd be retiring, wouldn't you? Well, he probably did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Not voluntarily. <laughs> Captured as usual, he was sentenced to 24 years, no, 20 years on a convict road gang. Uh, because of his age and poor health, he was transferred to a prison farm in a place called Midgeville. Too sick to work on a road gang. He wasn't too ill to escape. Oh, no. Which he did twice. In 1911 and 1912, he was quickly captured each time, returned to the prison farm for the second time. He finally died in 1913 at the age of 66. Holy cow. You know. Some guys just don't get the message. (laughs) They didn't read the memo. No, no. You know, if you fail once or twice, you'd think you'd give up. This guy, no. He just kept going, uh, you know, and obviously spent, what, more than half his more than half his life in three prison. Three quarters of his yeah, life. Yeah, three quarters of his time. Yeah. So this comes from a book called Outlaw Tales of Oregon, this book right here. Oh, my goodness sakes. From, you know, what a waste. I mean, look at the 66 years old. Yeah. and So let me show you pictures. Ed. Yeah, okay. This is Bill Miner, which obviously had to be at an older age. He doesn't look like he's the sharpest knife in the drawer. He doesn't. No. Nope. But let me show you another picture. Okay. So this is Harshman. Now, That's the guy that got shot. Yeah, he's the one that uh, ratted on. Now, is that after he got shot? Well, he's got in prison outfit there, so I'm assuming this is after he got sentenced. You and, would think getting shot like that with all the buckshot, he'd lost his eyesight. Yeah. I, wow. So let me show you the young man, Charles oh, Hone. Hone. Now, he looks, oh, he looks like a bad guy. He looks rough. Yeah, he, he looks rough. Uh, he looks like somebody that would walk after he parked a boat three miles to rob a train. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he he looks a little scary. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark Holy alley or, cow. or any alley for that. Matter. Whatever happened to the kid? Well, he went to jail, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was, he, yeah, he went to prison for, I think, what was it, 20 years? 20 years, huh? Yeah. Did he clean up his act? Uh, don't know. Oh. Don't know. Well, oh. actually, he only went uh, since for to 10 years at the Oregon State Pen, and Harshman only got 12 years. Really? For for robbery, but obviously Miner kept doing things and kept going back to jail time and time again. When you were studying for this story, let me ask you, did it ever occur to you, like it did me listening to you, uh, m- the money? Where did uh, Miner get all the money to travel up to British Columbia and then down to Georgia and yeah. other places? Well, you know, he started out just being a... A crook robbing people in yeah. alleys and you know and stealing a horse here and there. So he probably just continued that low key kind of uh, thievery, you know, just doing what he could. He's just a bad guy. He was. He just didn't want to work. You know, if he had worked it hard at a, as hard at a job, he probably would have been successful. Oh yeah. You know. But some guys, I guess they say they need that thrill or I something. Guess, you know, the yeah, the rush of I don't see the thrill in trying to stop a train and blow up a train. <laughs> well, I don't either, especially when you got people with guns coming back towards you. Yeah, or yeah. guys sitting in the train car. Yeah. Holy so, cow. Uh, a little different uh, than what Butch Cassidy went through. I mean, they they blew the whole darn train car apart. One of the greatest lines in the movie of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is after they blew that train car to smithereens, and uh, Butch looked at Sundance and said, you think we used enough dynamite there, Butch? 
<laughs> yeah, that was a good story too. I uh, that's all. That's one of my favorites is uh, Butch Cassidy. Well, you can kid. verify the story. Boy, the flies came in here this morning for some reason. Uh, you can verify the authenticity of these and and look at the pictures of these guys. And you can see it on their faces. Yeah. They're bad dudes. Yeah. and I you know a story like this, I put a lot of credibility into it because uh, just with the research I've done and. The other book I got uh, that tells the same story pretty much follows the the same the same line. Really? So yeah. I'll tell you what you outdid yourself. That's a good story. That was kind of fun. Wasn't Absolutely. It?